And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here to have another conversation I'm hoping helps your business grow. No matter where you are or what you do, you have a tech industry in and around your local community. The real question that so many of us have to answer is how do we grow that? There's so many answers to that question. There's maybe not a right answer. We're going to explore that and try to figure it out today. With that, today's episode of Startup Hustle is powered by Fullscale.io. Hiring software developers is difficult and Fullscale can help you build a software team quickly and affordably. We also have the platform to help you manage that team. Visit Fullscale.io to learn more. Heard me say we, if you're not aware, that's my company and we love talking to Startup Hustle listeners. Reach out. Let's see if we can find some solutions together. With me today, I've got Kara Lowe, and Kara is the president and CEO of the KC Tech Council. She made me say KC. If you don't know what KC is, it's Kansas City. We've got <laughs> listeners all over the world, so I just want to make sure. But with that, the, Can the KC Tech Council works on so many different advocacy things and stuff that Kara is going to explain a lot better than me. If you want to learn more about what they do, scroll down to those show notes and click the link that says KC Tech Council, or just type it into the browser. It's all up to you. Without further ado, Kara, welcome to Startup Hustle. Hey, thanks, Matt. Glad to be here. Yeah, I'm glad you're here too. This is going to be an interesting, uh, an interesting discussion today. Let's grow some tech industry. Yeah. Well, with that, you know, let's get that started with a little bit about your backstory. And uh, yeah, I, I know you got. There's a whole lot to unpack with with this subject and Absolutely. your job and all these different things. So yeah, let's hear about it. Well, you know, there isn't a major in college called how to grow a tech industry. So everybody comes from somewhere. But I, my through line tends to be it's all been about Kansas City, Casey, as you uh, gratefully mm -hmm. abbreviated for us. So I'm from Kansas City, born and raised, went to the University of Kansas, and then Rock Chalk. Yep, that's right. That's right. Tough week for us Jayhawks. Uh, yeah, we'll yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll come right back. Um, but I, upon graduation, immediately started going to work uh, for some of Kansas City's largest events. I worked on the, the Country Club Plaza and ran our art fair and lighting ceremony and just loved being in the thick of things within this community. It's community I love and was raised in. And since then, I've kind of continued to grow my my role. I've got a marketing background. And then about seven years ago, I was approached by the then uh, president and CEO of this organization to see if I could come on and kind of help grow the organization, which is tasked with, of course, growing Kansas City's tech industry. I jumped at the opportunity, um, but not without a little hesitation, having not really had much of a technology background, um, but having had, I think, the right background in knowing how to understand Kansas City, its corporate community, and also its civic community and educators. And those are all the kind of key ingredients that we'll touch on later in how to really grow a thriving tech industry. So 
I started at KC Tech Council in 2016. I was named our president and CEO in uh, May of this, well, of 2022. And it's been quite a ride and, and we've, we've grown a lot as an organization and we've watched a lot of really interesting growth happen within Kansas City's tech industry in that time. So it's, it's been a great journey. Yeah. And this is, and you mentioned a predecessor, this is, uh, we've had a number of episodes with people from the organization. Ryan, yeah. Ryan Weber was a prior guest uh, and, you know, through knowing him and now, and this is the first time we've met face to face, but I know that you guys tackle some big stuff and, you know, and it, what's the biggest challenge that you, problem you need to solve right now? Yeah. I think the biggest challenge and then the other side of that coin is opportunity is workforce and any tech hub, any tech industry in any city and any region across the world really lives or dies by its workforce. How many tech workers they have, what sort of tech talent they can attract. And that's really what we place the, probably our forefront of our focus on is in growing Kansas City's tech workforce. And with the kind of change of workforce and the shape of workforce changing from a, a in-person to a much more hybrid and even remote model, that's a, a, you know, yet another set of challenges and opportunities, I think, that that lay before us as a region and, and how to grow that industry. But, you know, when you ask the biggest the biggest challenge, that's it. That's it. There's, it's, if you have the people, if you have the talent and you can fill the jobs, your limit to growth that kind of ceases to exist. There isn't a market in the United States that has enough software developers. No one's so, figured it out. Yeah. I mean, well, that's, and that's just math. And, you know, for those of you listening, you know, full scale, the company I own, we help tech companies do staff augmentation with our developers in the Philippines. And, yeah. Some of that's a touchy subject and one that I, you know, much like yourself, I'm sure you get on the weird end of some conversations about this stuff. And some <laughs> of it, I'm like, you know, for me, I'm just an entrepreneur trying to solve a problem, you know? Right. And, 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 but it is like the part of why Matt Watson and I started full scale was when we came to realize we're like, oh my God, there's like 300,000, 400,000 open IT jobs in the U S yeah. and you're like, wow. Yeah. Like, wow. And then, and then, you know, some of that, and, you know, we mentioned being from the state of Kansas, I don't know what the current numbers are, but like three or four years ago, the state of Kansas, like graduated like three or 400 computer science right. grads. Like so that's, that's, it. that's the thing. And, and right now there's about mm -hmm. 6,000 open tech jobs in Kansas city alone. So that's yeah. just within our MSA, which does of course include Kansas and Missouri for those of you, you know, less familiar with the area. Um, so but that's we, also in like the 30th biggest uh, city in the U.S., right, so like 25 right. to 30. Like you get into some of these markets and Correct. that becomes a really big market. It, it does. I mean, and it's, it's we even punch a little, a little bit above our weight in population in terms of concentration of tech talent. We've got more technology workers in Kansas City than St. Louis does, which is a larger city than us, um, than Indianapolis and Nashville, cities that are kind of close in population or if not a little bit larger. So our need is is profound in this region. Our, yeah. our region hires a lot of tech talent. It employs a lot of tech talent. One in every 10 working Kansas Cityans work in technology. So it's, and, and that number continues to grow. So when you have this kind of proliferating need and in, in an environment that really needs the workers to continue to grow and a shortage of the supply, and you hit the nail on the head, you look at the feeder universities, even if you look at all five of our, and we do this in a, in a, report that we put out annually um, to kind of talk about that multiple solutions need to happen to fill these jobs and that they need to be long and short-term balanced. Um, 
if you look at all of the CS computer science programs in Kansas, Missouri, Iowa, uh, Nebraska, even Indiana and, and uh, Texas is another big feeder for us. All of those graduates um, do not total the amount of open tech jobs. Yeah. If we captured every single yeah. one, and by the way, we're not <laughs> capturing and, and, every but single one. Here's the reality of it. You can't take 100% of a of a sample space. In mm -hmm. this case, we're going to say tech talent. Mm -hmm. Okay. So here's the reality. It doesn't, I don't care if you're in the United States, the Philippines, China, anywhere. Um, hundred percent of those people aren't good at what they do either. That's right. Like, I mean, that's just the math of it. Yep. Like, you, you know, you top 10%, top 20%, top 50%, it's going to exist in every market. I mean, and, and so that becomes another challenge too. Yep. Yeah. The math is, it's wonky, man. It's, it's, it's tough to fix. And, that's the conversation I actually, I'm glad you have it more than I do because, <laughs> you know, there's systemic issues that, that come down to it. But if you want to grow a tech business, like, well, first off, you know, I'll throw a couple of things out there. So obviously talent. Now talent, there's, you know, there's the pandemic changed that. Yep. And in some cases made it worse for places like Kansas City. It's a double-edged sword. So we, we would refer to this, use this term called brain drain um, prior to the pandemic where Places like Kansas City or really like any smaller market, if not even big markets, uh, had the, there was this like suction hose to the West and East Coast that just took a lot of the best talented people and they wanted to go. And, I, and you know what? I, I, I'm not going to fault them. Uh, if you want to be involved in technology, that Silicon, I'm not going to, oh, Kansas City is better than Silicon Valley. No, it's not. There's a lot of shit going on. There's lots of really expensive to live. There's really right. competitive. Now that said, that's an, I bet people would move there. They oftentimes I see them come back because they're like, wow, that a uh, $300,000 a year salary didn't feel like a whole lot because my rent was $9,000. <laughs> you know, so there's, or you there's, have kids and you want to, you know, have a yard. Well, and well but some of that, so, well, let's yep. talk about that because those same people, they would stay. Yeah. It's like, Hey, I like it. Here's my hometown. Yeah. So my family, kids like their school, blah, uh, whatever reason they had. And then all this, and, and so there was this defense mechanism, this, this guard, this wall around, you know, that saves some of it. And then all of a sudden pandemic happens and remote becomes a very easy thing. And now the tentacles of big tech just kind of spread everywhere yeah. in a lot of cases. Yeah. So, you know, give her, but on the flip side of that though, one thing we noticed at full scale was we had a lot of people that for the prior couple of years were like, no, we're never going to do remote. And then they, kind of changed. Mm -hmm. So I, I personally, and I, you know, I'm just saying that from my opinion, I, I always like the, I like the idea of global citizenship. And where if, I think if entrepreneurs go to where things are plentiful and wherever that is, however right. that is, they succeed. Um, and there's a lot, there's a lot to unpack there that I don't even want to get into. Really. <laughs> I mean, there's smart people everywhere, folks. Like, look, first off, quit telling yourself that everything has to be local in some regards, like you, cause it does and it doesn't. So look, I think to grow tech and you first saw there's, there's talent, there's funding, there's just like the things that already exist, you know, right. and Kansas city punches way above its weight for our, our market size. It does. Yeah, it does. And I, you know, and going back to the brain drain comment, because I think that's an important consideration. If you isolate it to tech, we kind of flip and flop. There are some years we actually import more tech talent than we bleed out. There are other years that we bleed out more than we import in. And I think part of that is the boomerang effect of people returning yeah. back home. Um, I think part of it is that we do not. So when you calculate brain gain and brain drain, how you 
the, the areas in the United States that drain the most tech talent tend to be areas with a high concentration of universities. So Boston, Washington, D.C., um, a lot of these kind of East Coast cities that have numerous, numerous programs that then educate a lot of tech talent. And then those individuals leave and go elsewhere. So they look like they experience a significant brain drain where really it's just a matter of they're educating a lot of the folks that are then getting deployed across the rest of the country. Kansas City is in an interesting spot. We do have universities. We do not have a huge concentration of them within the metropolitan area in terms of just student population. There are good programs, but the scale is not what it is in Boston, certainly. Um, so we don't suffer from a bleed out of the of all of these, you know, many, many college. We, in other words, we rely on importing. We have to because, and when I say importing, I mean from universities outside of the region, from people who relocate here. And then to a certain extent, which we need to be doing better, and I can talk about um, through H-1B visas and, and the retention of, of you know, immigrants that have come across to the United States for education and then want to stay here and work for the companies that they may have interned for while, while at those universities. So it's a, it's a balance. And I think it all comes back to there is there needs to be more than one way to solve the workforce shortage problem. It's, it's, there's not one way. This conversation comes up a lot when it comes to solutions in general and like, okay, look, I'm not, I don't want to get politicky here, but climate change is a good example. And people are like, what's the thing that's going to solve it? It's probably like 97 things. Of course. And like, and really when it comes to just solving bigger problems in general, there's usually not a silver bullet that just like defeats all of it. Right. Because if there was, we probably would have already done it. Yep. So it's this collective nature of stuff. And, and, you know, some of it, uh, one thing I've learned with, so you talk about like growing the local tech ecosystem, the problem that you have, if you don't have the technical talent is you don't build a technical product, which means that you don't usually technically get funded, <laughs> which means you technically don't grow, right. which means you technically don't have a business. Yeah, and that and technically so sucks. It technically does suck. <laughs> it actually not even technically sucks. It just does suck. So so that's part of the issue that, you know, you look at. And, and I think one of the things that, and I try not to get too like opinionated in this because I find arguing with people about these things tiresome. Right. You it's know, very but, circular. But, but it is. And I'm just like, oh, God. And the, it's probably that 80 percent of people, regardless of what side of red or blue they're on, you're never going to change their opinion anyway. Right. So, like, therefore, I'm wasting my time four out of five times. But right. But keep posting those memes, guys. Yeah, do it. One of them's going to work. Probably one not. of these days. Probably not. Those <laughs> actually most of those memes that you're looking at are probably by Russian, Russian bot farms. So good luck. Yeah. Right? Keep following them. Right. Um, but, but, you know, you talk about like the, but what I did just mention about that, that progression path to creating, building your tech company, you, you know, the thing I get frustrated with on a local level is that I feel like a lot, there's a lot of pressure on, on startups and early stage companies to be so hyper local. Yeah. And, and I don't think it's fair. Because, you know, the, you're competing against these global conglomerates that have worldwide employees and what's the difference? Right. And if, if you're working in a marketplace where things are plentiful, yeah, shop local. Like, do it. <laughs> don't, if, if software availables are readily available and affordable in your market, don't, don't go to fullscale.io. Right. You don't need our help. Right. Get it. But the thing is, is with that... On the flip side of that, and you know, they called the law of supply and demand. It is a law similar like the law of gravity. You cannot defeat it. 
Mm-hmm. So the problem is, is when that supply and demand equilibrium gets all out of whack, you know, because, okay, so we're in this mix right now. Okay, Facebook's laying off 13,000 people. Be like, That's going to give us the tech talent we need. No, it's not because that guy that just, that developer, that guy or gal that just got laid off there, they make as much money as your freaking seed round was. <laughs> You're not bringing that person right. in. That's not, that's not right. where that's happening. So that's like, that's not coming downstream. But, you know, I, I don't know, there's, there's, if you can't afford it, it's just, everything eventually comes down to math. And if you have to overpay for something, you're going to have to underpay for something else right. or maybe go without it. So, if, you know, part of, I mean, I've done this globally. It's not even globally. Like I have literally made a living chasing opportunity. Like you said, you got to go to it. You got to go find it. And if the technical talent isn't where you need it, you need to either create it or go find it. Yeah. And there, I, there's not a, ha- there's not, a, there's not a way there. Those are, that seems, feels very like, right. Very straightforward. Right. Well, it's either and it, and it goes back to long-term, short-term. If you're creating it, that's going to take longer. Correct. And you have to have a, a sense of, of realism around the maturity rate, just like you would on well, anything I, else. I have that a problem a today that needs to be solved. Right, right. I don't have time right. to incubate. And, and you talk about even like the graduate thing. Okay. I'll tell you right now, every client, prospect that reaches out, they all want senior people. Yeah. And that's a problem yeah. if you don't have senior experience. And the problem is, is the experience is you have to get experience. Right. And there's it's only chicken so, and an egg. I so mean, there's only so many people right. in that bucket right now. And then everyone's like, I don't know, it's a zero sum game. And the, and the, and the brain gain or drain thing, as you described, sounded very, kind of zero sum ish. If you lose as much as you, if I spend as much as I earn. Right. Did I save any money? Do you think there's pressure on startups and, and especially earlier stage startups to hire that new talent because they can afford it? And yeah. is that fair? Yeah, I run into it a lot because, um, uh, and, and once again, I look, all my statements are, uh, I'm okay. You mentioned reality. Mm-hmm. Two of my three books have the word realist in the title. <laughs> okay. So how do, what world do I operate in? And yeah, I think some of it's just accessibility. Because yeah. the so here's the here's the typical path. There is all right. So kid graduates from college, they may be an intern. They're working somewhere, and the early stage company is a buyer because those they are affordable, right. but they never keep them. Right. Because the moment that you get any of any experience, uh, I think it was Ice Cube that said, "Big bank take little bank," <laughs> and it's true though. So the like I talked to founders; these aren't even people that I'm not just speaking on like a, a full scale's clients. These are just like my peers, and they're like, I can't keep people. And the second they get experience, they go work at Garmin or Cerner, which are our local tech powerhouses right. here in town in Oracle Kansas City. Cerner now, sure, yeah, sure, yeah. and okay. Well, that's a pretty big company, that's and it's like a pretty big. Guy. I mean, even yeah. yeah, even more opportunities. And so, well, that's the thing, though. And, and and back to this 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 realism. So, look at this point, you're in, you're you're coming in your mid twenties. You're you're uh, you're going to have a life partner at some point. Yep. You're probably going to have a kid. And now you got to go home and sell this opportunity at home. And you're like, so I can go work at this startup that may or may not make it. Yeah. Or, or here's Globo Corp offering me a big salary benefits. Maybe, I don't know, you get it. Yep. And so that reality comes and you can't fault. I, I never fault anyone taking advantage well, of a course. better opportunity. Like I'm not, I'm not picking on the decision-making because I would probably take the better opportunity right. myself. 
The flip side of that, though, is what I did find is there are a ton of people that don't want to work for Facebook because they don't find any passion in, well, A, being lost in a massive employee roster mm-hmm. or B, building some of the things they're like, yeah, I don't, because I literally talked to founders in Silicon Valley when I was at TechCrunch many years ago. Yep. I was like, you got to have a hard time finding people. And they're like, actually, it's not as bad as you think because people don't want to work at Facebook. And their they, they don't proximity is winning in those days too. Yes. Um, I think it goes back to, you know, we're talking a lot about talent and workforce as if it's, and I think. What's the key? All, it's, it's a foundational element. Well, and it's, it's not, it's not a, a monolith either. When you look, I mean, the words talent and workforce refer to people and, yeah. and, and people are highly individualistic and, you know, it, it kind of takes me back to my, my marketing background where you're looking at demographics, sure, but also think about psychographics and people are wired in different ways where maybe you've got a senior person who is burnout on the corporate of it all and want to go and kick it around sure. at a startup. And then but vice that person's versa. usually made some money, they've saved some money and, sometimes, they, and they can feel like they take a risk. Right, right. And then sometimes they're on a vision quest. I mean, it just, sure. it just now, depends. Now, but engineers and software engineers are overwhelmingly type B personalities. Mm-hmm. And that t- personality type favors consistency, low risk, low yep. risk yep. you know, like some of that instability and, and okay, if you've been listening to this show or you have a startup, that isn't usually how most startups are described. No, they're not known for their long and straight routes or journeys. Okay. So we talked about tech talent. Speaking of which, finding expert software developers doesn't have to be difficult. Seems like a good time to mention that, especially when you go to fullscale.io where you can build a software team quickly and affordably. Fullscale is a platform that helps you define your technical needs and then see what available developers, testers, and leaders are ready to join your team fullscale.io, learn more. By the way, you think that technology companies would be good at spotting tech talent? I, I did. <laughs> You're not. It is difficult. That's and that's a hard a, thing Well, to that's do. another thing too. Yeah. So you talk about like opportunity cost. Right. And, and getting the wrong people in. Right. And you talk about like the interns or whatever. Look, if, 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 you're, if your entire tech company locally is a team of inexperienced interns, Probably going to get what you pay Good for. Good luck to you. Well, because some of that, yeah. So it's, I think, so the, the team dynamics, you're best to like find. Oh, man, it took me forever to figure this out. I finally, you're going to get what you pay for. Yeah. Uh, just saying as an entrepreneur. Yeah, I mean, that's true across, you know, every, every piece of your life, pretty much. <laughs> uh, okay. So next, I want to talk about access to capital. Yeah. Because it is, that's the most popular subject. Oh, I bet. That I, yeah, that I, that's, I get sucked into that. And I say sucked into that because that's what everyone wants to talk about. Right. And yeah, there, hey, first off, there's money everywhere, people. You got to actually make an effort to go find it. Yeah. Like if I talk to one more person that tells me they couldn't get funded and I'm like, well, how many people do you talk to? And like, dude, I talked to like six. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, you're like 94 short of average <laughs> for people I talk to to get funded. But right. for real, that that's a thing. Right. And, and, you know, there's, you know, that's a hot topic here in our hometown. I'll tell you, there's money all over the town. There's money oh, all sure. over wherever you're at. Oh, sure. It just may take, it. and it takes maybe a different shape you know, systematically than it does on the coast where there might be kind of more of these tried and true resources that is that are basically better known than they are in Kansas City. I mean, we are still in some ways emerging as a hub to grow 
tech startups. There, there are ways where we have been uh, extremely successful and we have the founders and the exits to prove it. But, um, but I think that, you know, there's, there's absolutely work to do in terms of just creating more connective tissue between the different key players. And when connective it comes to access tissue to is a capital. Great, a great, that is a great way to put that because that's what I see that needs to be fixed mm-hmm. in, in this town. Because I, okay, so I'm in the middle of this because obviously this show puts me in front of a lot of people and right. a lot of people listen to it. Two million, almost 2 million downloads last year. Thank you, everyone listening. I, we know you have an infinite number of choices about what you can pay attention to. So thanks for paying attention to what we're doing. But with that, I get a lot of outreach from people that are on the PE, family office, fun mm-hmm. side, and then you have the startup founders. And it's interesting because they're both trying to figure out how right. to get in front of each other. Right. And that connective tissue is a really good example because there needs to be some kind of bridge. So I think if you want to grow tech, you need to have an open and honest ecosystem around that. Now, when you talk about Silicon Valley, everyone that, and it's a good example because there is a level of sophistication that exists on the investor side. So what I found is that investors don't write checks to things they don't understand. So there's more people that have a bet that that put themselves in a position of understanding what some yeah. of the things that are are, yeah. are doing. So it's very difficult to get a check from someone that doesn't understand what you do or understand why it's important or where it's valuable. Do you think that problem befalls like the family office kind of groups I, more so certainly than a investment bank, which probably employs different subject matter experts on different topics, or or does it is it just that too broad of a brush? I mean, it is a little broad of a brush. I mean, I, I'm thinking I'm going to apply this more to like the, the, the family office because, yeah. you know, in mo- a lot of these markets, you're going to find more people. And we, okay, family, I don't like to leave things undefined a fa- and a realist definition. A family office is usually uh, as an organization that is usually created by wealthy people mm-hmm. or a number of wealthy people that are taking their wealth and putting it into their own little fund that can do whatever it wants, however it wants, right. usually not restricted by charters or different things. So, and some of that, those people also usually employ pretty sophisticated people to understand Absolutely. what's going on, but on some levels still might not get it, you know? So, so, so some of that's that, that blocker there. And then I think the thing that, that frustrates me, and this is where I piss people off, Kara, but I don't, <laughs> I don't my city doesn't need another fucking matching fund. Like, mm. let's open the door to these things. Mm-hmm. Like, you're only going to invest in me if someone else has. Like, right. and I just see too much of that. And it's like, do you want to play or not? Because yeah. it's, and that's the thing that's, and you, and then now we could talk about banks. Sure. Like, I don't want to go to another event for startups that where 10 banks are trying to get me to open an account and all 10 of them would not give me a loan if I want, if I right. needed it. Right. But guess when they will give me a loan? When I don't need it. Yeah. It's the same thing with the funding thing. And like, like, look, and I'm not trying to pick on the things because I think that like a matching fund sets a, 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 a specific purpose, but at the same time, it's not necessarily opening and it's not like, you know, I don't know. I think I, it's a bottom line, the solution, because I don't want to just bitch about problems, but create some more things that have like seed level funding. Well, and I think it all comes back to tolerance of risk and, you right. know, in terms of matching fund and on the, on the bank side too, it's, it's, it's all about, it's all about increasing our tolerance of risk. And but I think that is a lot easier said than done. Banks have like legitimate restrictions behind it, you know, meaning like they just can't. Right. 
So part of, uh, I'll give you an example. So uh, FullScale's invested over $2 million mm-hmm. in services in exchange for equity in local startups, all of them here in our hometown. With that, when we wanted to basically grow the company, we talked to a couple banks, not one of them would give us $1 of asset value for any of that any of that equity that we owned and they, and they couldn't, they literally can't recognize it. And I had one, uh, I won't name who one CEO say to me, I would much rather take this as collateral than a truckload of bolts. Mm -hmm. Cause like, so they're stuck in this weird intangible thing. Now I had a local startup founder in here who's working on solving some of this. And there are some things that CDFI, not even sure what that's, I can't even remember what that stands for, but some banks are moving some funds sideways mm-hmm. into things that don't have the charter restrictions. Right, outside of the... So do you think when you had that issue where you're going to banks, I presume, presumably within the Kansas City area, if you had gone outside to a different market, would that have existed or no, is that just a bank issue across the board? The only the Silicon Valley bank, svb.com. And that's, that's yeah, I moved yeah. my money there. That's right. where we bank. And that's the thing is like, because they actually don't operate the same way that right. the bank does. So the problem is, is the, the traditional lending and banking system set up to leverage against property and software companies don't have tangible property. It's not real property. Well, it should right. be because if right. I spent $4 million building the code that generates right. the revenue and Watson, and I have talked about that a lot. We actually uh, have, you know, Backlot Cars had a had a four hundred fifty million dollar acquisition here, mm-hmm. and we were on the CEO. We brought that up, and we we're like, yeah, but I bet a bank wouldn't even have given you a loan prior to that. <laughs> He's like, nope, nope, yeah. So, but think about how wacky that is. It is like, wacky. Someone will come pay four hundred like that kind of money for your company, but you're not a worthy lending candidate. Well, and by the way, the, to a certain extent, that that real property kind of conversation even happens within our enterprise companies between a, maybe a CFO's office and a CIO's office where you want to make a significant capital investment on something that you can't actually see, feel, touch, or wrap your arms around. That's a tougher sale. To Welcome make to internally. 2023 and beyond people because yep. the most valuable companies in the world don't have. Well, I think we learned a big lesson about uh, tech debt in real time over the holidays with Southwest uh, and, and what happens when you don't make those capital investments. And that, oh I mean, brutal, brutal stuff. But it, but it, that is a great case study for, you know, get ahead of your tech debt, get ahead of those, yeah. those capital investments. And that kind of goes more on the, on the enterprise level company conversation, but, um, but applies certainly. What's, to what's your take the on the funding? Like, what are you finding? Because banks are out. Like right. that's not even a thing. Like, in right. fact, I've had choice words with some of them for wasting my time. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, why are you like, don't, let's don't waste my time. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then the, the fun thing is, is real. And there really is from my experience, it's mainly local. There really is a desire between the fam. So the, the problem is I just met with someone about this recently and, I, and people like to call me because of my candor, which mm. some people love and some people hate. It's just my opinion. If you don't like it, move on. Right. But with that, I'll give you an honest take on it. And I'm talking to someone that at PE, family fund, they're like, I can't get deal flow. Why? You've locked yourself behind four hallways worth of doors right? to make yourself inaccessible because you're afraid that you're going to have to come through a couple bad deals on the way to the good ones. Yep. That's not how it works. Right. You don't get to go to the casino and roll the dice and win every yep. single time. Like, you got to fold now and then you got to move on, whatever, but they're like almost afraid to be annoyed yeah. with deal flow and then complain they don't have it. Well, interest. I mean, here's kind of my, my take on it is in, in 
Tech Council, we really focus on, we work with a lot of companies that have have exited their startup stage that are certainly, mm-hmm. you know, scaled up in Kansas City, are doing a lot of hiring and really have a, a presence here. So a lot of our big corporates. Um, what's interesting, though, is I'm asked to speak a lot at events and things and panels that include the startup and, and funders and founders community, basically. So the interesting thing I hear is I hear the same kind of complaint from different communities that if you put them all together, it's like y'all want the same thing. So uh, a lot of times founders will will complain that, well, I can't get customers in Kansas City. I have to start outside of Kansas City in order to be to prove it to to those within. If you can't get customers local, you probably can't get customers anywhere. Well, and then I, you know, on the on the deal flow side, I've heard that too. There just isn't enough concentration here. There just isn't enough going on. And then on the corporate side, I also sometimes hear that that there's more of a desire for to to work in the you know the very wild world of corporate procurement to get those large scale customers and to have more corporates and more enterprise companies be more participatory in the startup ecosystem. So my take is I think we're we're all coming to the table wanting the same conclusion. It's the challenge of who's going to be the most risk tolerant to help us start taking steps toward that conclusion. And I don't think the onus should always be on the founders. And I think that's where it gets put because they lack the power in those equations. I mean, that's just the nature of the beast. Um, I also, you know, think that part of this can be solved with creating more of, as I said earlier, that connective tissue, whether that's the opportunity to have these frank conversations and not to put a kind of happy Midwestern gloss over it. Like, Oh, we just, you know, are Casey proud. We're going to love watching these companies grow in our own backyard and having more of these realistic conversations of, all right, well, the nature of the game has changed. We, if the nature of the workforce game has changed, I think the nature of the funding game has also probably changed post pandemic too. What are the opportunities that we can take as a, as a region? And this applies to any tech industry in any region. What are the opportunities maybe unique to your, to your ecosystem that you can utilize to kind of get a step ahead in this new climate of, you know, there's a lot more companies that operate in a hybrid kind of structure. Is there more access now to, to funds outside of, outside of your region, your own backyard because of the more hybrid nature and the more kind of interconnected, less geographically disposed? I don't know, but I know that it's changing. And I also know what I keep hearing from these different factions. Um, and and that I think there's a role that that a at an organization like the one I run can play in in helping to create more of the connective tissue. I can't get into a, a you know family office's head and say here's you really need to be more risk tolerant because we think it's good for the ecosystem. But what we can do is create opportunities to have realistic conversations. I can do that. Is that what I should be doing? Yeah, you should be doing that. We all I'm should not, be doing that. I'm really that. not kidding. Like yeah. that's like they're calling for advice and I'm kind of doing that. Yeah. But I don't know. It's also like, I don't know. It's it, all you can do is all you can do. So we, we're answering the question of growing a local, you know, tech everything. Now with that, I mean, I think it's fair to say that if we want to grow our local tech companies, we need to support them being national and global. Absolutely. So you can't thrive. Well, it's, okay. If you, if anyone listening can tell me a publicly traded company that only operates in one city <laughs> and one city alone, tell me, cause I, is that, well, I that's, yeah. I mean, the, could the, there be, 
I mean, technically maybe, but, and, and I say operates, they may have all their employees in one area, right. but do they have customers everywhere? And that's the thing. So like, you got to kind of get national and global to survive locally. There's a symbiotic relationship there. That's, that's interesting. So, yeah. all right. So I quoted ice cube earlier. Let's go the other direction and I'll quote Elvis mm. a little less conversation and a little more action, <laughs> baby. So does that mean the podcast is over? Uh-oh. No, no. <laughs> it means fix that part because oh god, I tell you, I run into this a lot. It's like talk, 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 and no one does anything. Yeah. So like, take some action, people. Like yeah. you know, you want to get out there, you want to talk to people, you follow up. Yeah. Like follow up. Just try try to make something happen. Right. Right. I mean, and it comes it. it, it that onus is on every single member of that equation, right? And it's not just on the founder to go and go and have 100 conversations. It's also on, you know, anyone who participates in your tech ecosystem to help companies grow. It is about, you know, walking the talk and, and being more participatory and looking outside of what your normal structure has been. This is who we always talk to. This Make is who we always- Make yourself uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's no, where change like, happens, guys. That's kind of what disruption <laughs> is, you know? Yeah. But, but that it really is a thing. And, and, you know, that's, I, and you're never going to like really fix that problem because there's just a lot of entrepreneurs out there and there's a lot of busy people out there, but yeah, I mean, I think that's a good place to start. Like, yeah, well, it's I, hard to identify entrepreneurs if you, if you don't allow yourself to see them in the wild. Oh, they're out there. <laughs> oh man. I've met a lot of them. I, you sure. know, here I am all these years later and I really do run into a lot of people that seven years later are still telling me about the startup, the, the same one yeah. that they're going to start. Right. Why aren't you doing it? Well, it's not the right time. I, in my book, Balance Me, I, I literally have a section called the right time myth. I'm going to break, breaking news, people. The right time never comes. The right time is a myth. If you're telling yourself I'm waiting for the right time. Uh, 99% of the time, you're just telling yourself that as an excuse for why you're not doing it. Just got to jump in the pool. Jump and build wings. I mean, it helps to have the materials or most of the materials you need to build the wings before Mm -hmm. you leave the cliff. But I'll tell you that nothing will make you either find the stuff you need or build the wings faster than the impending doom of hitting the canyon floor. That's right. Put some pressure on yourself. Like, get out there and do it. Like, there isn't a right time. There's no such thing as a business without problems. There's no, like, where are the easy businesses, Kara? Because I want to sign up for all of them. Oh, gosh. I don't know. I mean, I... (laughs) (laughs) They they don't exist either. I think let's just... Here's the easy business. You and I rewinding time 40 years ago and starting something that we knew was going to be successful. Those are the only ways into an easy business. I don't know if that's easy, that, because I feel like the mechanics of that are remarkably more difficult and probably complex than anything else we could imagine. We have to... I think I was just thinking of like that old Superman movie where he flies back against the world's rotation mm-hmm. and like stops time. Like, mm-hmm. So yeah. Where are you? Super woman. We'll go with super woman. She could do it too. Oh yeah. She would have figured the, it out. Probably well, probably <laughs> with a lot less hassle and irritation. Than, yeah. All for that. I mean, yeah. Like, like I said at the beginning of the episode, I mean, the, the answer to this question is, is going to be different in different markets you know, I mean, if you're in Sioux City, Iowa, I think you might have a complaint about access to an ecosystem or something like that. Because for all I know, I'll probably get a comment that's probably like the world's fastest growing 
yeah, well, startup city. Who knows? But, but we've the, got great peers in Iowa who are doing great things. But well, here's the thing, though: the internet's made the world really small, man. Yeah. I got two hundred and I have almost three hundred employees that are literally on the other side of the world. We do not have communication problems, right? Well, and it, I mean, it, it goes back to even a question of how much, how important is it to have have a cluster around a geographic area anymore? Is that changing? I don't think it matters. I think that the I think that tech is so much different. If we're truly talking about tech. It's global thing. It's like the the whole premise of tech and software. Like, why do we have the cloud? If mm-hmm. we don't, I mean, if it wasn't intended to like matriculate, yeah, then why don't we could just go back to local servers because we only need it locally? Then, right? I'm just right. saying. That, and and look, it's not going away, folks. Like, it, we're trying to make it better. I, I don't feel threatened by things like AI and stuff like that. It's a lot of those things are doing the jobs that I can't find people to show up and do anyway. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure that's true. And, and well, and I think what you're presenting with full scale too is is a more, it's that turnkey solution to a problem that we know exists right now. Yeah. We're also working on on ways to be, you know, more mindful of that turnkey solution too. We have a tech apprenticeship program that has more of a, you know, 12 month runway to finding talent rather than a 12 year maturity rate with some of the really great work we're doing in K through 12. But you're placing a lot of bets uh, that have a long-term maturity rate. With well, that. and that's the thing. If you have a 12-year burn rate, good, cool. Yeah. Go with that. Who has a 12-year burn rate? Yeah. And some of that, I don't know. I mean, I just like, I'm just a supporter of entrepreneurs doing, finding clever ways to find solutions. I will tell you, if you're telling yourself that you can't build software unless it's all people in front of you, um, I see people do it every day see our clients do it every day. Meaning like if you're in, if you are in, if you're, if you're the, if you're the lady in Sioux city, Iowa, that has a tech startup, you can find the people you need. They might not be in front of you, but that's okay. And cause you're, and really in the end, like, like the whole premise of, of the, of the stance that I take is that if you do it right, you have the funds to hire the local people that are plentiful. Go get them. Well, there's again, go get them. Hire salespeople, marketing people. Like, yeah, like, yeah. It right. all's got to come together. And, and you know, I've always said that people say, what's your goal as an entrepreneur or a founder? I want to build something that's bigger than me. Mm-hmm. And, and for, for my dreams and my aspirations that extends far past my hometown, which I have a hell of a lot of love for. My family's been in Kansas City since 1870. Right. I mean, I don't know how I get more old school. Yeah. And, and with that, like, I don't know. Get out there and find it. Now, I do want to go back. So, you know, we, we like to end our episodes. And once again, today's episode of Startup Hustles, uh, powered by Fullscale.io. Keep that short. We talked enough about Fullscale and other stuff today. But, you know, I like to end my episodes with, with a little bit of a wrap up. We talked about a lot of things. Congratulations on getting me to talk about all the shit that I don't like talking about. Oh, you're welcome. The opinion, well, I, I'm not, I don't like to be in the, I like to be in the experience business, not necessarily the opinion business. Yeah, so. I get it. I get it. And I would certainly think as an organization, we're really big in the experience business. Yeah. I mean, we, we function as Kansas City's, uh, the tech the tech industry's front doorstep. And if we can't create a great experience for the key players and companies and individuals that are moving that industry forward, then we're not doing our job right. So I'm with you. Experience yeah. is everything. Well, I, and I think that but that's the thing. And like at the KC Tech Council, and there's a link in the show notes, learn more. If you're listening locally, Go sign up, be a member. Don't complain about what they're not doing for you if you're not trying to help support <laughs> it, right? So 
you know, with that, it's a, it's a difficult task. Yeah. I, I gotta be honest, I couldn't do your job and I don't know if I want to. It's just meaning like, I, it's just that like you're, I say the same thing to Lauren Conaway. <laughs> it's just, you know, cause that's that, I don't know if I'm capable of it. And, and so thanks for fighting that fight. Cause it's an important fight. And honestly, thanks for not being one-sided about it. Cause oh, yeah. global outlook. I'm a realist so, too, man. Well, right. well, you know, Carol, <laughs> I wouldn't be good at this job lot, if I well, weren't. A lot of people aren't. And I've, I've, I don't know if enemy is the right word, but I've rubbed a lot of people the wrong way when I started full scale. But can't you be an aspirational realist? You know, yeah. a realist with, with optimism and. Hey, I'm not moving anytime soon. I live here. My, yeah. I'm growing my kids up. But before, That's right. My kids are also in coding school right now. We were talking before I hit, yep. re, before we hit record. My eight-year-old is learning how to write JavaScript right now, mainly because she's excited about putting it into a command block in Minecraft. Hey, which that's is, implementation, baby. Which is well possibly, done. <laughs> well, not possibly, as actually I'm a non-technical founder, so she's eclipsed me. <laughs> at eight at eight come on you saw that coming it's though. coming down the pipeline well but some of that is you know in the end like if we want to change things in the long term we can start now absolutely i mean that's why my kids in coding school. because you have to be doing both things you have yeah. to be doing both things you have to be laying the groundwork for long term we do yes. it in our lives every day long term short term can exist at the same time and that's okay and one of the and i will i'll end the show on one of the favorite quotes that i heard from my mentors growing up it said to me said matt you just got to make sure not to sacrifice the long term on the altar of the immediate cuz mm -hmm. that's it one. and you can do it it's true cuz you got you got to have both and and with that thank you for joining me Kara. thanks for having me Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.